Good morning. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. I usually say Calvary Chapel Manteca, but I've been getting picked on for it lately because they assume, I must assume you guys are all lost. So since you know where you're at, and if you're not listening to the recording, uh, good morning and welcome to Calvary Chapel. If you need the zip code, Phil will help you out with that later. Um, but um, it's good to be with you guys. Um, I know I... I uh, by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, uh, belled on you guys last week, um, but it's good to have um, men capable, willing to uh, fill in, and um, you know, uh, Reuben, a blessing, just to still continue to talk with him, friendship, we probably talk a couple times a week, um, even praying about doing some things with the men's group and Tracy together, but um, I was um, I'm praying about things, had things on heart, and finally when I got through uh, I guess the fog of day-to-day life work getting to a point Friday I'm sitting down and it's like man I, I feel I need to I need to head up and and see what we can do to help out with the fires in paradise and um, knowing uh, some of the brothers and, and listening to uh, the the mail emails coming in from the brothers who have lost our house up there and pastors and um, the people we've known up there and so um, just really felt prompted, and I, I'm, you know, it's what eight o'clock at night, and I'm looking at Heidi about leaving right now, and praying, oh, well, I got to get all this stuff in order, and so I get a hold of uh, Dave on the phone at about nine o'clock, and I was like, hey, Dave, uh, what you doing tonight? And so um, he goes, I'll, I'll get back to you in a minute, which I guess he was praying about doing something. So God lined that up, so we went up, and we we're able to help out at a gas station. God. We got right through the roadblock before they uh, started evacuating an area, help out at a gas station area for a while, and everything from jump-starting cars and filling people's cars up with gas and um, just being there and being a blessing. And then uh, we headed down to Calvary Chapel, Orville, which uh, is Pastor Bob Scott, his wife uh, Denise, and um, granddaughter Kaylee. And um, they, they had lost their home in Paradise, lived in Paradise for, uh, for many years, um, actually started Calvary Chapel Paradise and been now down pastoring Calvary Chapel of Orville. And um, so we figured, well, we'll stop by there, see what's going on, see if anything's going on at the fellowship before heading out of that area. And um, it was going to be the next area possible to be evacuated with the winds and stuff, so we kind of wanted to be in that area. And so we get to the church, and they come out worried because they thought we were evacuating them. And it turned out to be Bob and his family, and they're staying in the church building there, kind of in the fellowship hall that they're in the middle of redoing because of some water damage and stuff. And, and so just talked to him, I invited him to go out to dinner and stuff, and just hang, hung out and fellowshiped, and they were just excited to see us, and um, definitely was uh, God-led. And um, it was, I'm, I'm just, I'm surprised how much of a blessing we were to them, just being there and fellowshipping and sleeping in the church that night. Um, getting to know Bob and, and his family and Denise and them and, and just hearing their heart. I hear they've lost everything. He's a retired CDF firefighter, so he was staying to the last moment. They, they literally lost everything that didn't leave with him in a car, um, even one of the cars they were planning to leave in. Um, the fire was quite a ways away. The smoke wasn't landing. CDF cap and he's good. Then something lit a quarter mile down the street from him. And so literally he had stuff at the front doors trying to put out stuff. The water pressure dropped went in the house to grab a couple more things, came back in, the front door was on fire, ended up going out the second story of his house and sitting with his horse in a field until it cooled down and um, showing just this video 30 minutes after the fire went through his house and everything's gone. But, you know, it just, uh, the joy, I mean, he's, he's been a pastor over 45 years of Calvary Chapel and, and just the, yeah, they're going to miss some stuff, some of the things he was talking about with the boys and guns and stuff, you can tell, you know, some of that hasn't set in, but the the joy and, and their, what sustains them isn't their stuff. They weren't, that wasn't their deal. I mean, her thing was, man, I just wonder where we could get out and help people. It's like, you guys are living in a church on a blow-up mattress, and she's wondering where she can go serve. I just, you know, amazing heart, an amazing group of people. So we'll be um, are, are in contact with them, with them being praying with them, and um, seeing about helping them out in the next couple coming months and stuff. And um, uh, even Micaiah, they have a, a dear friend that's from the area that lost her home. And so there's, there's um, a lot going on up there, but God's doing a lot of things. You know, he's, uh, Bob was really happy to be at the church the next day. He goes, yeah, you know, after that Sunday, I come out after, you know, so Sunday church happens, which people are missing. You know, we don't know where everybody's at and everything else. And 
a lot of talking going on, and then that evening people just started trickling in the parking lot. Unbelievers, whatever, just coming to pray. You're a church, right? You guys pray. And he goes, so it's just been a, a blessing in that aspect. And so keep them in prayer. If you, if you do want to help out with what's going on up there financially, um, gift cards or whatever, you can get on uh, Calvary Chapel Disaster Relief org has a link or just go to Calvary Chapel Orville and there's some information there even uh, opportunities to possibly volunteer coming up but um, yeah so be praying for them and that's where we were last weekend and uh, it's kind of it's kind of hard because sometimes you go okay am I hearing God or is this just something I want to do you know or this and then you get up there and you just see how God lines things up and um, being flexible I'm one thing I've always kind of said, and even in talking with Heidi and, and some of the leaders and different people, is you know I'm I'm definitely called to serve here, definitely called you know get up here and teach, and that's very much part of my calling. But it's not it. It's not where it is. It's not oh I'm preparing for Sunday morning and this is the ministry God gives me. And that's it. There are so many other areas we're called to from helping people out. So much goes beyond Sunday morning and what happens here. Even though this is total blessing and it's very important in teaching the Word of God. It's not all of it. And so, you know, sometimes I might disappear and you guys get a guest speaker if God guides. But um, they're very much in our lives. It's, it's, you know, being sensitive. And sometimes, you know, if God's prompting something crazy and you go, I don't know, this might be insane, you're welcome to call me because I probably confirm we're crazy together and we'll go off and serve God and God will use it in a mighty way. So this morning we're continuing on in the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 8. And we'll be starting in verse 1. And this Luke chapter 8 can be very much um, divided into two sections, if you would. You kind of have the words of Jesus and then the works of Jesus. As it kind of lines up here in Scripture, you could kind of really divide it into two groups. And so let's pray for this morning's teaching. God, we thank you for your word and how amazing it is, how awesome it is, and how life-changing it is, God. We pray that your word would just go forth and just penetrate every heart, Father, in, in this valley, in this town. God, that your word would be clear in the area of paradise, Father, and that those who have never slowed down to even consider, Father, as they slow down, they consider the things of value in their life, that you would just show them, no matter what happens, what's lost, that you love them and you're there for them. We thank you for your word and we thank you for this time. Amen. So, in verse 1, it says, It came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. Now, Jesus kind of, his ministry shifts here. You see him in, in a certain area in Capernaum, but now he's going out and he's going through cities. And it's not like a Jesus tour where they're out selling Jesus tour shirts and the Jesus tour is coming to town. But very much he was going through all the different cities and teaching. And then he would go back through more than once. He, and he did this several times, which is, is good. It's not like you know, people needed to hear just the message or what God was sharing more than you know, once and then they're good. But he was going through and he's teaching this and he's bringing these glad tidings. And the, the 12 are with him. There are, as we see here in verse 2, there are more than the 12 disciples. We have the 12 disciples who become the apostles, but there were other disciples. And in those disciples, we see here in verse 2, and it says, And certain women who had been healed of an evil spirit, and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come several seven demons, and Jonah, or Joanne, the wife of Jeza, Jeza, Herod, the steward of Susanna, and many others who proved or provided for him from their substance. Now, this is shocking for us. This is okay. So there was women that went around with Jesus. So, you know, this didn't happen. Rabbis who went out and taught and took servants with them did not have women with them. Women weren't going to be educated, should not be educated, were frowned upon for being educated in this culture. This was not something people did. And, and it amazes me when you look at Scripture and you go through, I don't think people have a clue on how much, if you would, that the God of all creation, that Jesus came down and really lifted the thought and far as if you want to say women's rights or any of that, 
that Jesus has probably been the greatest effect on that in human history. The, the, the views and the cultures were so different. You get out of uh, uh, cultures that's Judeo-Christian based and you see possessions and you, see, you don't see people called, full of the Holy Spirit, used by God. Women in that sense. And here you have Jesus and he has these women and they're going around with him. We have Mary Magdalene, which we do not know what sin she was involved with. We know she had seven demons. Doesn't mean she was horribly immoral. We don't know. They, people assign stuff to her. We don't know. We just know she had seven demons. And then we have this other account of Joanna, the wife of this guy who, who was Herod's steward, financial advisor, chief financial advisor. She is from the you know, upper crust or you know, the high class. And you have these two women serving together. And you, we don't have this great description of you know, what sins or whatever Mary was involved with, but you can imagine you don't think she would be very proper or high class, right? Her speech, her actions and stuff. If you're demon-possessed, usually you're not too concerned about etiquette. And then you have this other person who is, right? Very different women, and they're both serving the Lord at their subsistence and what they have, and they're providing for him. And it's interesting to look at this and realize that Jesus allowed it. Did Jesus need them to provide for him? Let me think. He never had any money on him. So, you know, when they say, oh, you know, what about taxes? He had to ask somebody for, you know, a penny to say, whose face is on that? Give it to Caesar. Denarii, you know? And then when he did need to pay taxes, though, it wasn't a problem, right? No, go catch a fish. There's going to be a coin in the mouth that takes care of it, you know? As far as food and subsistence, that's okay. I think Jesus was pretty good at making bread and fish and making them multiply, right? <laughs> he didn't need a personal chef or something, you know? But yet he allowed them to serve him in this way. And that's very humbling. I, I'm, I'm very much, you know, I like to get out and help people and stuff. The hardest thing for me to have is somebody help me. You know, and, and it's, it, it, you know, not to my credit by any means. It, it's one of those things sometimes it's harder to receive in that sense, especially when you're independent and you want to go and stuff. And you hear you see the creator of all the universe allows these people to serve him and bless him and humbly accepts it. And, and it's amazing to see that he allows this, and, and not for his benefit, but for also for theirs. There's a blessing in serving our Lord. And they're blessed by this. And so it kind of opens up with this scene, and we see him, and we have all these disciples, and then it moves on. And um, in verse 14, or verse 4, excuse me, it says, And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come in, to him from every city. In Matthew and Mark, we know that this great multitude, not that Jesus was small about, you know, small crowds and all this, and some people, big churches. This was a big crowd, a big enough crowd where in, in Mark and Matthew, he's in a boat and he casts out from the shore a little. That's his pulpit, is a little off the shore where he can preach. And the wind, you know, Sea of Galilee, I guess, I, I've heard. I'd love to get there one day. Maybe it'll be when it's all brand new. But that the wind from the ocean comes up and you can hear the little kids on the beach on the cliffs above, it kind of natural amphitheater. So Jesus is out there where he can teach and the crowd can hear him. And so it's a large crowd pressing upon him. And he's there, he's out there in the boat, and he begins this parable, and, and we refer to it as a parable of the, the sower. And, and he begins to speak in a parable. And a parable, I think we kind of sometimes get confused with like an illustration. A parable is more of a riddle. The, the word is a proverb or a riddle. It, it wasn't an illustration to open things up, and we'll see it here. And, and, and just like any riddle or, or, or thing, if you don't have the key, you don't know what it means. It's lost. It, it needs a component. It needs you know, the answer key to understand it. You know? And so in verse 5 it says, A sower went out to sow in his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds, the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and with it choked it out. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. 
Now at that time, it's kind of interesting. The way they did farming is, it was a common practice. They would go sow the seed and then they would plow the soil. They wouldn't plow the soil first, then put seed, then plow it again. They would go out and they'd lay out their seed and then they'd plow it and turn it under. And so many times you wouldn't know what was under the soil until after you had the seed. You wouldn't know there's a rock shelf or you know, a rocky area and stuff. And, and you would just throw the seed out. They'd cast it. And so this was a common, you know, common understanding for him hearing the story. And, and there are really four types of soil. We have the soil along the, the walkway or the, 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 where the rough, hard ground. We have the rocky soil where it's thin, you know, and we have uh, soil that has thorns and, and seeds in it that grow up and choke it out, killing it before it produces grain. And then we have the good soil that produces a hundredfold and, you know, um, he, he, he explains this, and then, I mean, it's got to be kind of interesting. So he explains this parable, and when he said these things, he cried out, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. It's like, okay, this was an important story, right? It's, it's got to get your attention, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, I mean if we had to raise our hands, how, how many people in here have heard this parable before? Who's read the scripture? Okay. So you guys are all cheating. You know the key, right? It's really hard to go, what if you didn't know the key of what was going on here? Where would we be at, right? So if you pretended, okay, we don't know what this story is exactly about, if we didn't have the explanation. And I love his disciples, and this doesn't mean just the 12, but his disciples. In verse 9 it says, and then they asked him saying, what does this parable mean? Could you imagine what happened if they didn't ask that? Where would we be? Like, okay, you know, farming practices. I mean, it's kind of interesting, right? And he said to them, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It's been given to you, his disciples. And as you read through this, sometimes you, you go through it. It's like, I know, I know this parable and I've, I've known it in my mind. I, I've heard it. I could, I could explain it to you. I explain what the things were about. I don't even have to turn to the verse to probably tell you the, the story. But then you have a verse like this, and it's like, man, how did I miss that? It's been given to his disciples to understand the mysteries of God. It's been given to us, freely given. What an awesome thing that we get to know. Not knowing in the sense of a knowledge, a head knowledge. Not, okay, I understand the theology. I understand the workings of this but a knowledge, a knowing, an intimacy. It's been known to know the mysteries of God intimately. You know, you, you think of the mysteries, I mean, could you imagine if you were on that wedding, you're on your wedding day and, and you go, you know, I give to you, my bride, the understanding, the knowledge of the mystery of Tim. And you go, okay, what would that be like? For 20 years, he can miss the hamper. That's a mystery now. <laughs> How? <laughs> you know? But the things you find out when you get married, you know, when you wake up in the morning, the makeup's not on for the first time you see your bride. Ah, you know. And that's why they have annulments. No, I mean, <laughs> but you look, there's a mystery, there's an intimate. So it's that kind of knowledge. And the more and more you go by, it's amazing. And you hear it. And, and when you're younger and you're married, you don't quite believe it that years later you're still finding things out about people about your wife about your spouse you're like how, how did I miss how did I know how how did I get this you know and um, it's amazing to see in that sense and you see it and and we get to know God in that way it's to us it's to his disciples we get to know the Lord and he says but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see that hearing they may not understand. It isn't to make things clear, the parable. It is things to be hidden from understanding of some. And you go, well, that's kind of strange. Why, why would God hide something? Well, if your heart's not ready, it's gracious. It's not forced upon it. You know, sometimes you ever realize you're in a conversation and it's a hard conversation to have and, and if you reveal the truth of a situation to somebody, it's not going to re be received. It's going to destroy a relationship. It's just going to cause hardship. You know, you think of your kids. How many times will some truth is, is not going to benefit them? Do you really want to sit down with your two-year-old and explain illness? 
and some of these things. No, they're going to be up at night worrying. There's a time for things. And, and God shared parables because some hearts weren't there at this point, you know? And at this point, if you don't have the key to this, and that was it here, let's care. If you were not the ready, if, if it wasn't for you, could you imagine when, okay, say there was a newspaper, they didn't have newspapers back in the day, but could you see the report from this? First report comes out, hey, we have a bird problem. Birds are stealing seeds. They're eating the seeds off the path. Jesus said, hey, we got to pay attention to this, man. He's on it. And then, you know, the farmer's wife come over and goes, forget the birds. The birds wouldn't be eating any seed. My husband's lazy. He throws that stuff all over the place. It's on the sidewalk. We need to put some regulation on these farmers because they're, they're feeding all these birds. You know, it's, just, it's spilling it everywhere. They should be wiser with the seed. I mean, you know, it's very unproductive. It's wasteful farming. You know, we've got to have better farming practices. And then, you know, the next thing, you know, you see a big ad in the paper. Well, yeah, we got the, the side going, but now we got a guy who can detect rocks underground. So that way you know if it's good soil or not. I invented this deal, and we can now probe for rocks. You know, and the next thing you have, you have Roundup selling their herbicide to make sure there's no weeds in it, you know. And um, it's kind of interesting. I wouldn't have known that word if I didn't move to the Central Valley. You hear it when you're listening to the radio, you get commercials for herbicide. Why? Because we have farmers in the area. Where I grew up in the mountains, we never had commercials for herbicides and different kinds of plant growth stuff, you know? But that's what you would get out of the story. You'd be totally lost without the key, and, and if anything, you'd be, okay, this, it's a good story. Makes sense. Maybe, yeah, maybe we need to do better farming practices, be more aware of how we sow. But it's explained here, and Jesus explains it. He gives us the key in verse 11 here, and it says, now this the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Now, it's kind of interesting, when you look at seeds, I mean, comparisons and parables, are, there, there's a limit to them. But you realize how amazing seeds are? When you look at the DNA, I mean, compared to all the storage devices we've made and designed and everything else to, to, to store information... You have seeds and, and, and the, the design and all the programming in there that whole trees grow out of. And everything else is designed in these little seeds, right? They've actually found ancient seeds. They have germinated um, from tombs, from some of the Pharaoh's tombs. And they've grabbed some of these ancient wheats and they've germinated the seeds and they grow. They're, they're so old that if you hit them with a hammer, they just shatter into dust and nothing. But when you water it, they start to grow. And there's this plant and all this design, okay? I don't think any of my zip drives are going to make it 3,000 years. you got the seed with all this intricate design in it, right? And, and you see these things, and, and, and they're finding all these proteins and um, enzymes and all this stuff in this older wheat that we don't have these days, you know, and, and trying to germinate it and use it. And, you know, it's going to be in a health food store soon, I'm sure, farro wheat or something. But you see all this design in this little seeds, you know, and, 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 and then what one seed produces, you know, it was, I heard a thing that says you can never, you, you can see how many seeds are in an apple, but you can't ever see how many apples are in a seed. Because when it produces, it grows. Well, one guy was pulling out numbers and he goes, you realize if you took one corn seed and you planted it in good soil and you took the whole crop of the corn that that grew and you replanted it and you continued to do that, in six years, every land mass in the world would be covered in corn. That's enough corn to cover in six years from a seed. And you see the spread of it and then the word of God compared to it. And you look at the power of the word of God. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by the Holy Spirit. It is, it is, it is profitable for correction, rebuke, that the man of God may be fully equipped. The word of God is all we need. You know, um, I don't, I don't know how many years ago, and if I shared it here, I remember sharing it with the youth. I came across this story, and there was a man who went to a place, and I forget, I think it was South America area, went down there, was a missionary. He was a retired doctor, was a missionary, and he spent years down there in this little village, and every once in a while when the, when the weather was right and the rainy season and everything, he would go across to the other side, and he would go out and he would share with these tribes. And he was teaching the young men French and teaching him how to read the French, uh, uh, French translation of the Bible. And he had done that, and 
after some time had passed, he wasn't able to go out there anymore, and time had passed, and where he was at, he so offended the locals at a point, they kicked him out. They destroyed the building there, no converts and left, and he went home and passed away of his life with no fruit that he knew of. And the reason we know this story is because this group of missionaries heard about this area where there hadn't been anybody. They didn't know anybody that had gone into these tribes, so they decided to go into this place, and they're finding that I think from, I remember the 1930s to the 1980s, that sometime in the 70s to the 80s, that the French Bible was being taught, and they were copying it, and they translated it into their languages. And, and the one tribe spread to the other tribes. And at one point, they were all gathering to where they had a church of over 3,000 people because they had the Word of God. There wasn't another missionary there. A guy went and shared it. They learned it. They were able to understand the Bible. I guess some of the, the children had left and learned more about French and came back and so they could learn the Bible. And it had grown. So these missionaries get over there and there's all these believers there. And they went from warring tribes to tribes that are no longer warring. And they have this whole history. And there was one big church and they decided, you know, they split up into smaller church fellowships so they didn't have to travel far because they were traveling a day's journey to all get together. And then, you know, and so they go there and there's this whole church and they have a lot of questions about, you know, cultural things in the Bible. But they had everything they needed. They were solid in their doctrine, solid in their walk. They were loving. They're totally amazed on how well equipped and how many of them were believers and loved the Word of God, and yet all they had was the Word of God. If the whole rest of the world went sideways, there would still would have been believers there. And just the power of the Word of God alone, you know, how it multiplies. And in verse 12, it goes on and by, it says, Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes them, takes the word out of their hearts. Least they should believe and be saved. Now the hard ground, and when we, we look at this and, and we, we definitely say, you know, we see salvation there, but also that can just be in our lives, right? Sometimes it can be hard to a biblical truth. This word save here is not uh, necessarily salvation. It could be saved from sin. And, and, and you see this hard ground and it's interesting that the birds know when that happens. You know, when you're driving around up here, you can tell when certain things are moving on the road. You can go, okay, there must be harvesting the, the corn for grain because you start to see birds and things at the side of the road. You know, in a couple areas, some chickens run out. I think in Campo, near a gas station, there's always chickens at the side of the road. Well, there's a corner there, and the harvest trucks, when they turn it, they drop some stuff, you know. It's interesting how Satan's very much the same way. He knows when the word's being given. He's there. He wants to snatch it up. He's very prompt on that. I mean, you can think of uh, just the distractions. You know, I was joking around last night but with Pedro, but when you say boats, you know, it's not that anybody tends to be a distraction. I can be a distraction filling things with my hands and everything else. But Sunday, it sits here, and the slightest thing can distract you and take your mind off. You know, I say boats, you're thinking, oh, no, it's going to rain. My boat's going to fill with water. I need to cover it. You know, oh, yeah, I want to go do that. I, man, I didn't get out and go fishing. Now it's cold. I mean, our minds can go so easily distracted, and that's on a personal scale. What about on a global scale, the United States as a whole? Do you think the Satan's, the devil's against the word going out? Does he want it taught? No, you see it constantly. Bible. It's offensive. Why is it offensive? Because it has power. Satan knows it has power. Right? Satan knows the value of the Word of God, how much it can change a life and destroy stuff. Why do you think he's so against it? You know what I mean? It's amazing how many hard times, if you guys were going to a baseball game, it would be easier to get to the baseball game with all the parking and everything else than to church sometimes. It seems like all this warfare comes. Everything's good all week until you get ready to go to church. You know, your kids are well-behaved until you've got to get them dressed for church. It always seemed like when their kids are younger, ah, you know, that's when the explosion happens. So not to say your kids are inspired by Satan, but maybe. I mean, you look at it, right? And sadly, I wish, sadly, I wish preachers would believe the same. How many preachers bother to teach the Word? Put value in the Word. Well, you know, we'll, we'll mention it, but, you know, we wanted to give a speech of this. And 
No, no value in it. No value in it these days, and, and they don't understand how valuable the Word of God is. Satan does. He's against it. You know, people running around wondering, you know, what is, you know, Satan's whispering in that year. Satan must have inspired that guy to go do this and kill all these people or something like that. I think a lot less. I think Satan's more worried not about whispering in your ear, but just keeping the Word of God out of your ear. If, if you're not listening to the Word of God, you, he doesn't care less. If you're already out in the world doing your thing, I think he leaves us to our own devices. We're pretty destructive on our own. I just got to make sure you don't come in contact with the living God. I'm going to make sure you don't come in contact with that seed of the word of God because it might find a root. It might find a place. In verse 13, it goes on and says, but the ones, the ones on the rock are those who, when they heard, they received the word with joy and these have no root, who believe for a while and in the time of temptation fall away. And, and it's, it's interesting, it, you see this and it's like, it's hard to tell from the surface. You can't tell from the surface what's under the soil until you get in, into it, right? Until there's work done and, and there's turning sometimes. Um, my mom had a sewer line back up and so we went over to help dig out her sewer line from the house to the alleyway. And as we're digging across, we start to find this big concrete thing and everything else. And it turns out the old septic tank was left there. They had left it, and all they did is poke the new line through the old septic tank. And then it made sense why she always had this brown spot in her lawn. Because 600 inches on the soil was this concrete, and then it would heat up, and the moisture would go, and the grass would always die there. Now we know why the grass was dying there. We got a you know, if you've got a dead spot in your yard, go looking it up. You might find an old bomb shelter or something. There's something under there, you know? Might, you know? might not just be the fact you don't have a green thumb or something, you know? You add more fertilizer, it gets hot, kills it quicker. I mean, you know, you, you look at this, and, and there's this rocky soil, and, and we see it. We see it in believers' lives. I, you know, you see people get saved, and they're excited, and they don't get rooted in the Word. It's all about how they feel, and it's an emotional thing. And they don't get deep. They don't root. They don't take the time to get rooted. And when that storm comes, it destroys them. You know, Spurgeon um, uh, put together a real good sermon on this, you know. And, and, and it's interesting. I like some of the things he brought out. He kind of brought out, when you look at Luke 8, the, the fact of moisture. What really kills it is it's not just the roots not deep enough, but the moisture doesn't stay in it. The water. And you look at the Holy Spirit and the living water of God and the Holy Spirit in life, and he goes, there, there's a couple indicators that you're lacking water. You're lacking the Holy Spirit in your life or in a ministry. And, and he says, there's a couple indicators. That if you have doctrine without feeling, and I, I would kind of translate to knowledge with no heart. You understand the word, you study the word, you're all about, I want to know the mysteries, I want to pre-retrib, most trip, all these biblical things and I'm going to study it and I'm going to be the best but it's not affecting your life it doesn't apply to you you have a head knowledge but it doesn't sink in experience without humility or experience or excitement without repentance yeah we're here we're excited about the Lord and everything else but I'm not changing who I was I'm not sorry about what I, I haven't really considered and looked at myself I'm in the moment I'm excited about what's going on this is great but when that temptation comes, you haven't dealt with the sin in your life. You haven't dealt with those issues and you fall. Practice without a, love, a heart love. Or, or you could say service without obligation. Or with obligation. I'm doing. I'm practicing. I'm out. I'm doing. Man, we're doing church. We're going out. We're loving on people. We're doing this. We're doing this. You should look at everything I'm doing. And I'm expecting something in return. God's going to bless me. or You know what I mean? And then, oh man... How the heck did I get sick? I was helping out sick people. Now I got sick. Lord, you're cursing me. I was serving you. You know? And it all goes, why, why would God allow this hard thing in my life for me to live through? I was doing all these things for Him. You know, I was a servant. No root. No understanding, you know? Uh, faith without repentance. Faith without a heart change. Without any action. Confidence without reserve is what he had. Or I'd say confidence without truth or without the guiding of God. Yeah, God's going to do it. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to serve. It's going to be awesome. You're right. The Holy Spirit's with us. If we just do it in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. 
You know, I, I listen to worship songs and, you know, there was even an old hymn, you know, just something about that name, Jesus. And if you like the song, I'm sorry. But there's a couple of them out there now where it's all about the name. Like, if you have the name, you have everything. There's a lot of people named Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. It's not the name, it's the person. It's the name, Jesus Christ, who it is. There's something about the person of Jesus. It's not the fact I can invoke a magic word named Jesus and you're healed. I know the Savior, and we're going to pray, and we're going to ask him for healing. I'm not going to command him around. I'm not going to, he's not a magic, you know, hocus-pocus word. I said in the name of Jesus, so therefore he has to do it. The genie's got to jump out of the bottle. No. You know, not confidence in yourself, confidence in what you think God wants, but confidence in truth and understanding, being full of the Holy Spirit, knowing what his will is. Again, with the Holy Spirit. Zeal without communion. Oh man, I'm all about the things of the Lord. I like doing the things of the Lord. I'm going to go out and share the Lord with everybody. You know, everybody needs to hear the gospel. I'm going to run around. Everybody needs to hear the gospel. Tell everybody. Awesome. What is God telling you? I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a while. But you need to. This relationship with God that I don't have very much, you need to have. I mean, sadly truthful, right? I'm glad. I love the zeal. Get rooted. Know what you're excited about. And, you know, and, and I love it. And, and, and you, um, you see believers, you see new guys, and you, you want to encourage them, get rooted. Well, I know I just want to go share the gospel with any. That takes work, man. I open that up, and I feel bad, and i got to repent. And it sucks. But if I just go share the gospel, everybody goes, look what he's doing. He's so excited for God. Look at you now. I'm not that old nature anymore. I'm saved. I don't do drugs anymore. I don't got to. No, deal with yourself. Deal with yourself. Grow in that area. And what happens is why? Because there's going to be temptations that come that will wipe you out. The amazing thing is, I think we all can sit and go, I know somebody that was like that. And if you're not looking at yourself, there's other people you might know that have been like that. And how faithful God's always been. Isn't that amazing, though? No matter what kind of soil you are, God's faithful. He returns. He can take, okay, that seed about died. This little withering root, we're going to take that little withering root and we're going to just keep moving it over. We're going to water it again and we'll get it. I can recreate it. If he can take dead people and make them alive again, he can take dead roots and make them grow. You know? And I've seen him do that so many times. So many times we rejoice and, and helping. And, and some of the people we've helped, we've watched walk away and walk in and fall into temptation and their thoughts and what they thought the Word of God was going to be about and the benefits. And when this trial came, they got wiped out. And there's kind of a list of some people we've helped. And that list of people that are still out there struggling, it starts to shift and it takes time. You know, but God's faithful. And you see it, and you know, praying for him, and it changes. And suddenly you realize, yeah, that guy started out, and boy, he blew it. But God's now taking him, and the soil's getting better. Those rocks are leaving. His heart's softer. You know, and we see those things. And, you know, Spurgeon continued on and says, we need the Holy Spirit. And if the, if the Lord does not water us daily from living water, from living springs, we shall clearly die. So take heed, brother and sisters, that you do not lack moisture of the Holy Spirit, that gracious influence in our lives. Be asking God for the Holy Spirit, for the filling. Be in your devotions daily, in your word. Be current with him. Have that relationship with him. Let the things you do and the way you serve the Lord spring for those things. And that's an overflow of what he's doing, not not, not in our own strengths, because it fails. It's gonna, if you're doing it in your own strength, give it time, it will fail. That storm will come. You know, if your roots aren't deep, you know, I, I um, remember looking at and talking with some people after these hurricanes have hit in different towns, the tree line right at the ocean side generally stays. The trees inland fall over. And you go, why is that? Well, because those trees along the ocean side, they've been hitting storms for years. And those years of storms have caused them to get their roots deep. The ones inland, they haven't had to because they have that wind break. And so when the ones come over, you know, 
Sometimes, yeah, years, it takes years of going through trials and hard things for you to realize how deep you have to get your roots in the Word of God. You know, and he's faithful to allow those storms, you know. And now when we look at verse 14, we come into a section none of us really like. You know, we, we, we generally kind of want to relate to some in this, right? And we all want to say, oh, we're good soil. But in verse 14, it says, Now the ones that fell among the thorns, those are, are, those, are those who, when they have heard, they go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. And I say that because many times we, we are a culture. We are a culture of thorns and weeds. That's what our nation's about. And it's like, you know, do you, I don't even think we, I'd have to sit here and really explain this because we all know it. We've, our focus gets off by all these things so easily, right? We're a nation that grows weeds. You know, we share our weeds. We love our weeds. We like getting together and having events to talk about our weeds. You know? Um, and you see those things affect. And uh, there was one, one, one church I knew where there was a pastor. And, and before he was a pastor, he, he, he made decent money. And he had a very nice classic 30s car. And, and they, at one point, were even doing car shows at the church. They do a car show. You know how many guys in that church focused on having a car? Classic car they bring to the church? Like, wow. You think, wow, I don't want to cause somebody to stumble. Well, that can be a way to cause somebody to stumble. And, I mean, I'm guilty of it. We get so easily distracted. Get our focus off what's important. You know, that's why I loved just even talking with McKay this morning. Their, their friends lost everything. You know, they don't have, you know, simple things. When you're sitting there and you're, you're asking to help and he's up visiting them, you go, they don't have scissors. They don't have scotch tape. They don't have a coffee. They, they, everything. Everything's gone. You know? And, and when, you, when you, you're sitting here talking with Bob, and oh yeah, I had this and that, but they're weeds. Weeds go. The amazing thing about weeds, we, we really confuse ourselves with weeds. You know what we confuse ourselves about weeds? We think they're going to fulfill us. So you ever have a weed garden, and you're like, I can't wait to harvest it, because I'm going to make some bread. No! There's nothing there. It's not going to feed you. It's going to leave you hungry. It's going to leave you empty. It's going to leave us destroyed. And we know it, and we still like to grow weed gardens. You know, or cars, or whatever's in your backyard. No, I mean, we used to joke around in the high desert, because well, things would grow if you watered them really well, actually. But the biggest crop in Lucerne Valley, it's even overtaken the alfalfa, is cars. Everybody has a crop of some kind of car out back. You know, parts of cars, old cars. That's some amazing cars. It's great to go looking for old cars out there because they don't rust in the desert, but everybody grew cards, you know. We grow stuff in our, in our life, and, and we let it come in. And our, our, we start out with a good heart. We're seeking the Lord, and we get sometimes impatient. You know, um, yeah, we get impatient. I don't know about you guys. I'm impatient. I, I have, and we're trying to figure out when the last time I was down to the weight I'm at now which, you know, the only good side of having to change your diet because of diabetes is losing weight, which I'm glad that's actually happening because it would just be totally depressing. But I think in, in 2003-ish, I was about 265 pounds or so. And that was the last time I was close to there. I've always been around 300. Now I'm back down to 265 again. I've started diets. I started a lot of diets. I was just done with them in 24 hours. It's like, dude, I'm not losing any weight. Of course you're not losing any weight. Yeah, well, this sucks too much, you know. If I lost 30 pounds the first day, I'd be on a diet. I would have done it a long time ago. But it's not the way things happen. You know, sometimes there's patience. It takes time. And God kind of brings that out. In verse 15 it says, And the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience with patience. You know, you, you, fruit takes time. If, 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 uh, if, you know, if fruit didn't take time, we'd all be farmers, wouldn't we? Would you go to the grocery store? No, I'd go throw some seeds out back, come back in 15 minutes, make dinner. That's not the way that works. It takes time. 
And sometimes it can be scary. It's like I put these things in the ground, hopefully something sprouts. Hopefully something comes up. You know, and the amazing thing is when you go through this, this isn't the parable of the sower. The sower, he's giving generously. Right? The seed, it's the same. Is the seed ineffective? No, in this case our seed is totally effective, not corrupt at all. It's amazingly effective. It's the only truth, the only thing that's actually effective. The only thing that's in question here is what? The soil, which is us. And the good thing is it is you're not stuck as a certain kind of soil. It's not like, well, guess what? You're predestined to be uh, the wayside, so too bad. You know, you're rocky soil. You sprung up, you're done. Write you off. No. And it's like, well, how do we change our soil? I don't know the how. I know the who. God, I don't want to be that kind of soil. Change me. Whatever it takes, change me. Change my heart. This biblical truth, as I'm reading through it, changed me. You know, I, I sat here earlier and I asked you, I kind of set you guys up because I just kind of got myself set up as I'm getting ready for this. It's like, oh, I know the parallel story, right? How many of you guys have heard the parables, this, this parable? Does it mean something different now than it did if I would have asked you yesterday? Why? Because the Word of God's alive. He's changing your heart. He's speaking to you. Right? And it's going from head knowledge and, the, oh yeah, I've heard that soil and what that means and this and that. No, to now, God's taking that and he's changing you and he's changing your heart. That's how powerful the word of God is in our lives. You know, and, and in its time, what a blessing. A hundredfold. To produce the fruit. You look around you and go, man, the world's wicked. I, I, you know, the people I love are in sin and they're struggling. Man, these people, I, I, what do I do, Lord? Change my heart. Help me be good soil. I want to see that fruit. Help me pray for their heart. God, change their heart. You know, um, you know somebody was, was sharing uh, yesterday, hey, yeah, such and such came to church. Oh, what? How did that come about? We've been praying our brains out. I love it. We convinced them with, you know, we bribed. No, we've been praying for them. And God did it. God does that. And there's fruit. There's fruit. When you start to walk in, in there, you know, when it talks about knowing the mysteries of God, well, knowing them is part of living them. And, and it becomes very mysterious to some people. When they look at your life, the Christian life, the, the things that are taught and the way we do and why we do things are very mysterious to some people. You know, some people just call us crazy. Other people go, okay, they're strange. And other people go, okay, maybe you're mysterious. But, you know, it doesn't make sense to the world. It doesn't make sense. Why are you doing what? You know? A noble thing going up and helping people out. No, it wasn't a noble thing. It was going and helping people out. Helped everybody out. Even the guys that had their trucks full of marijuana plants that needed gas to get out of the hills with no clothes in their car. I mean... You learn stuff about places, what, what people, <laughs> talk about weeds, what people want to save when they take it out of the woods, you know? You have no clothes, no nothing, this and this. You want me to go save your pig because your truckload's full of pot. Can't get your pig, but you're full of pot. Okay. But, you know, you want to find what people's gods are. What do they run from a fire with, you know? And some of the things people are carrying out, there's a bridge at the bottom of Berryessa Creek that goes up, and until and, and then, it's all downhill. And at the side of that bridge, there's a whole bunch of cars parked that don't run. So you have your old car, it doesn't run, a fire's coming. What do you do? You hop in it, you roll it to the bottom of the hill, and you hope you can get a ride back up to get your real car, right? I saw a, a 97 yellow Lamborghini down there with Alaska plates covered in dirt. And then a whole, like a whole line of Honda Del Sols and kind of different stages getting cleaned up. Yeah, it's just interesting. All with tickets on them, though, by the way probably getting towed somewhere, and they're probably glad they're getting towed somewhere else, but it's just interesting to see what people take out when they have to leave, you know, and then um, sadly the ones that want to stay behind and try to save it all, but you see these things, and you see this ground, and, and, and God bears fruit, and be patient, and, and the fruit, the fruit isn't for us, there's a corn, a stock going, oh, look at this fruit, I'm going to eat it, no, the fruit's for other people. It affects other people, and it takes patience. 
You know, and, and sometimes that's a hard thing to see. You know, you see a believer or a new believer, they get saved and their lives change and they go, I don't understand why my family isn't. They think I'm nuts. They're waiting for this phase to go away. You know, um, I heard a pastor sharing. He goes, you know, I've been a senior pastor for 30 years. You know, and uh, my mom keeps going, telling me, yeah, it's a phase that's going to go away. He goes, a drug addict and everything else are fine with me. I get saved. I'm a pastor. And that's ah, a phase. He'll, he'll grow out of it. He's been saying that for 30 years. I'm a pastor of a church. And, you know, that's a phase. He'll get over it. You know, he doesn't want to admit what it is. But, you know, patience. Let God work. Verse 16, it says, No one then, when he lights a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. Pretty simple. God's lighting you up. If he's giving you the word of God, he's making you alive, he wants you to shine. He wants you to be a mystery to the world. People should look at you and go, ah, you're strange. Why? Why do you do that? That doesn't make sense. Why are you helping that person? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You know, I love it. Um, I'm going to pick on Tony because he's not in here. He's sharing. He was helping Henry move yesterday. I got a young gal staying with them who um, has gone through some things and has some health issues, so they're helping her out, a friend of Russell's. She's staying there, so they're helping Henry move, so she goes along. And she's sitting there confused. Why? Because you got Tony sitting there helping. You got a guy from the Hope Shelter who we've been loving on who's, who's a, a devout Muslim who came to help because Tony's been loving on him. You got a guy from his work that's from Iran who's a Syrian Christian who had a flee for his life because he's a Christian. They're with a Muslim helping you know and this girl's processing he's like are these people all from your church he goes no that's a guy from over here that's a guy from there then fishers of men shows up and she's sitting there just confused all these people are coming to help this guy from the church and why well because all this loving on them or sharing the god doesn't make sense this guy hates those people flared from them and has lost everything he owns because of these people and then you got this guy who is one they're helping out too. And why is he helping out? Because I just loved on him, you know. And then I'm here in the mix of it all. I love it. It's like, where did God put that lady? Where did God place that, that young woman in their home for? Oh, you know, you know, she'll come to church maybe one day or nothing else. But that's why she's there. That's why the timing of when she arrived at his house was to be there Saturday. Why? Because that's the reality of it, right? That's, that's, that's a real relationship. That's Tony being... Filled by the Holy Spirit being Tony. You know? Zeal and going and just fresh in the Word of God. What an amazing thing. So I picked on Tony. Don't tell him. And so, you know, it's not to be hidden. But he says, For nothing is secret that will, be, that will not be revealed, nor nothing hidden that will not be known and come to light. You know, as time goes on, you know, if you're playing a game, if you're not being real with God, it comes out. The reality comes. You know, I've walked in and, and you, you deal with different people, different ministries, and, you know, I, I look at some ministries and go, yeah, there's no way I could support or serve in this ministry in that way, but I don't have to be against them. The fruit of their ministry or their theology will come to bear when it's time. What fruit does it produce? Give it time, you'll see, you know? And, and the amazing thing is when you, when you talk to somebody and you go, Oh, yeah, I do this and this and this and the whole God thing. That's a whole wreck. Oh, yeah. So what's, what's the fruit of your life looking like? You happy? You have peace? You have joy? You surrender yet? You're telling me your life's awesome. It doesn't look like it. I mean, what are you selling? I'm not buying that, you know? It doesn't, doesn't seem like it. doesn't sound like it, you know? Those things are revealed. And I think we're so, now, now, we like look at things in the moment and go, wow, you know, that's awesome. You know, somebody showed up in a brand new $80,000 truck. You, wow, that's amazing how lucky they are to have that truck. Ask them in a year after the car payments, you know, if <laughs> they still think they're that lucky. Now it's got a dent and I still have these payments. I mean, it, you know, I look at, you know, we've, I picked up a truck that I'm putting back together and stuff for work, and I was looking just at what they cost new and the, the, the full four-wheel drive, and it's, it's going to be a blessing for work. It's definitely going to be a blessing, but 
Man, I'm looking at some of those brand new Ford crew cabs. They're gorgeous. They're amazing. I can't afford the taxes and license unless the car. <laughs> like my first car costs more than less than the fees which cost at the DMV on that thing. Forget full coverage. I think I need to up my insurance coverage on my cars though. I don't know if I hit one if it would cover it. <laughs> you know, I'd be upside down. Like, wait a minute. But you look at those things and, and you look at the fruit of those things come out. We've, we, you hear people come in with a good story. You hear men come in and teach and they say, oh, look, this is the best thing ever. Look at the fruit of that. Where that leads, you know? There's, there's something that says, you know, somebody said, if anybody ever comes to you and says, yeah, I need an answer on that now. You've got to answer me right now. You've got to tell me now. Then the answer is always no. There's always wisdom in that. God's never in a rush. Well, I want you to get involved in this and if you want this, it's a deal right now. No, then I'm going to miss out on the deal. And pass it up. It's always safe ground in that way. Why? Because give it a little time. You know, how, how many um, business schemes? <laughs> we don't call them pyramid schemes. They're, you know, profit marketing, sharing companies. Yeah, they, they, they got all these great terms for them. And you pay so much in and, you know, you sell all your friends and family, become your no longer friends and family, they become your marketing group. You know, some of those things, look at the fruit of them. Look at where they end, you know, and in, in, in our lives. You, you look at the fruit of where things go. And sadly, some of us have had fruit and bad fruit. But the good thing is what? God can change our heart. God's faithful. God says, hey, you, you pretty asked, but I'm giving up on you. No, I'll come back in and there'll be a hundredfold. And sometimes that's a greater testimony. You know, I was talking with a friend, he goes, man, I was doing good and everything, and then I blew it, and now I want to share with them, and how are they going to believe me when I told them this before, and now I've fallen, and now I'm telling them again? You're telling them the truth. The truth is, God doesn't give up. And even though, yes, I went out and I blew it, it didn't mean God wasn't good enough. It means I sinned and I blew it, and I wasn't rooted. I, you know, what did you learn from it? Share that with them. Why? Because most likely they're going to go out and sometimes they're going to be shallow soil and then they're going to go, oh, what? Are you hopeless? No, not hopeless because I saw many men fall on their face and God lift them up and then they were able to serve and God was able to use them again. And so we can come and we can look at this and we can look at these scriptures and then we have Verse 18 here, it says, Therefore, take heed now. You here. Take heed. Warning. For whoever, for whoever it has to him, more will be given. And for whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. And there's a sobering thing for all of us, you know, you look at that and you go, okay, am I, are we going to respond to our hearts and who we are? You know, and, and it's, it's kind of hard sometimes, Scripture, it's like, okay, there's conviction and going, okay, where am I at? I, I can be serving the Lord for years in the mission field, I can be there and my heart can be in the wrong spot. It can become to works. It can become no longer spirit-led. I'm not seeking God for how I'm to be led. Why? Because I'm a missionary. I'm serving all the time. Well, I've been serving at church and I've been doing this for years and God really used me at that point and now we're here and, I mean, we all fall into that trap. Or, or maybe just, oh, you know what? I'm here, I'm going to church, but, you know, I just don't have the same drive or the same heart or, you know, I'm not seeking Him as much. And we can get distracted by the things of the world and, and, and then before the fruit arrives, it's, it's choked out. And it, it's one of those things when you slow down and go, take heed. Because guess what? God's faithful. God's faithful. God's faithful to discipline us. It says a child who he loves, he doesn't spare the rod. Is God going to sit there and go, okay, you're, un, you're unhealthy, you're, you're growing weeds and you're unhealthy fruit and, and, and the, there's no fruit in your life. If anything, you're planting seeds in your friend's gardens. <laughs> like, here, honey, I got some weeds to add to your garden. I mean, sometimes we've done that as men. Not helped out, made things worse. You know what's loving, what's awesome? Is God, when God comes along and chops me down and deals with me. 
when he takes it away and goes, okay, you're going to be that way, your heart's going to be that way, well, let's get down and let's pull out the rototiller and see what happens to the weeds in your life and those things, and let's start over again. Let's discipline you because I love you, because I want you to produce fruit, because I want you to grow. Right? He's, he's faithful to do that. And so there's joy in knowing that God's going to be faithful. The other time is, it's been given to us to know the mysteries of God. You're his disciple. You can sit here and go, God, change my heart. Guess what he's going to say? Yes. Right? When you, you know, hopefully a year from now, you go, yeah, do you know about the parables about the seed? You sit down and go, yeah, God, change my heart. Is there any areas I'm rocky with? Are there any areas I'm not letting you go? Are there any areas that I'm not letting you get deep into my life in? Change my heart. I want to know your mysteries. I want to be totally blown away. I want to know the mystery to give my life up to serve you and be blessed with nothing. To give away everything I have and sit there and go, wow, God, you've used it for so much and yet be rich. You know, and the funny thing is we can do that and we can forget it. And go, wait a minute, maybe I want to add some weeds to my life. (laughs) Why? We're so foolish. But it's amazing. And here's some encouragement for you. Verse 19, it says, Then his mother and brothers came to him, and they could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told to him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. And he answered and said, But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Not to say he was trying to be mean to his mom and his brothers, but the point being, which would have been shocking because your family are in a hierarchy and the respect is way more than our American culture by any means. But more to us, he says, hey, if you're his disciple, if you're obeying him, you're part of the family. You're part of the family. You're growing and you're changing. And not to say, you know, we're a, um, not somewhat dysfunctional family at times. But isn't that awesome that God of all creation says, no, you don't even just get to know me, you don't have this, knowing intimately. I'm going to call you my children, I'm going to call you my brothers and sisters. And very much. And, and it, you know, going up, helping out with Bob, I walked in and I walked into a guy I had not met. Not met him once. Right? Run into him. And here I have a brother in the Lord. Right there, and I'm just totally stoked as like God set that appointment up and not even that I was going to be a blessing to him and benefit to him at that moment. Although, I mean, he keeps telling me how awesome that was. It was a total blessing to me. And I hear I'm talking to a guy, and I love these older guys in the Lord. I love these older, especially these older Calvary guys that get this, this, this solid, grounded foundation. You know, I'm talking to him, I said, yeah, now you might get a call from me once in a while going, hey, I, I have this issue and this and that, and you can tell me how wrong I am. He goes, no. He goes, I'll just point you to the Bible and let God do it. What a basic thing. You know, one of the things we've been, you know, as you sit here, it's like, I don't, I don't have any good counseling to offer you guys. Go meet with Jesus, meet with the great counselor. Here you have this older guy, 47 years in ministry. Do you think he could have an opinion for a young pastor? A lot of opinions. A lot of ways he's done it wrong. In a lot of ways he's doing it right. You know what his solution is? Without even knowing it, he just, that's the way it is. I'll just point you to God and continue talking like it was no big deal. What a blessing. I, I realize I have nothing to offer after 47 years, but I know where to send you. I'll get you some verses and I'll send you to the Bible and you're good. Love those guys, you know? A brother, family. And the Lord, you know, and, and it's just an amazing thing when you look at the body of Christ, you look at just this fellowship and you guys so much. It's like when we look at the getting together for Christmas, it's not just, oh, let's get together and have an event. I like hanging out with you guys. It's fun getting together with family. And, and most of my family's in this room, but, you know, some of them family-in-law and some of them, they're not as fun. It's much, I enjoy getting together with like-minded believers. It is so much more enjoyable compared to getting together with somebody that has a different theology or, you know, want to bring her girlfriend to the thing or whatever. It's, you know, there's ministry that happens there more than just getting to hang out with family in that sense. So let's pray and uh, just thank God for this time. Phil, come up.
Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it can penetrate our heart, how you want to produce something amazing in us and through us this morning, God, and in our lives. God, in any areas in our life where we just need our heart changed, God, change us to good soil. Help us be patient, Father, and not allow anything in this world to sneak in and, and distract us, take our focus, or take us away from loving you and seeking you. God, renew, renew our, our desire just to be in your word each and every day. Be full of your Holy Spirit, that we would, we would be guided by you. you know, that we would not turn your Holy Spirit down in our lives, but we'd be sensitive to it, willing to do whatever you call us to, whatever crazy thing that might seem, that we'd be just in your hands, led by your Spirit, serving how you desire us to serve in communion with you each and every day. Amen.